Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage, you'll run these people over in a second. Welcome to the Action Network podcast. We are presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm your host today, Brendan Glasheen, joined by Sean Zarillo and Billy Ward. It's a UFC betting preview. Welcome, everybody. UFC Vegas 77 this weekend from the Apex Center in Las Vegas. We have five fights on the main card, eight prelims. We'll dive into underdogs, props, our breakdown of the fight of the night, and then some best bets before we wrap. So as we normally do, we'll start with the main event. All the fights this week are available on ESPN. We've got Holly Holm, the favorite, at minus 182 over at FanDuel. Myra Bueno Silva, plus 142. Bueno Silva going for a fourth consecutive win. It's a top 10 bantamweight fight. Sean Zarillo, as we normally begin, your assessment of the main event and how you pick it apart to bet it. Yeah, I think on the things that we normally talk about, right, the age differential, especially at a lighter weight class, you kind of do have to lean to the underdog here in Myra Bueno Silva. On terms of the matchup, the stylistic nature, I think Holly Holm, this is a favorable matchup for her, but she's 41 years old, 10 years older than her opponent. And as we regularly talk about, when there's that big of an age gap between UFC opponents, especially when the opponent is 40 years old, the younger fighter wins about 10% more often than the betting market tells you that they are. So generally speaking, going to point towards the younger fighter here based on the age gap. Uh, Holly looked pretty solid in her last fight, but the cliff is going to come at some point. When it comes, it's going to be very dramatic. And as we always talk about too, in MMA, which is a one-on-one sport, when that athleticism drops off, it is very apparent. You saw with Keith Lee or Kevin Lee a couple of weeks ago, just looked like he couldn't move because he looked so stiff after multiple knee surgeries. Uh, Nico Price going against Robbie Lawler. Just There's this stiffness after you get a lot of injuries and a long career and beat up. You know, they the athleticism just suddenly drops off of a cliff. So not necessarily saying that I think that's going to happen to Holly Holm here, but it is very likely to happen at some point in her next few fights. In terms of how I see the stylistic fight playing out, Bueno Silva very happy to get taken down and fight off of her back because that's where she's the most dangerous, really good submission game off of her back. But home is the better minute winner, both on the feet. She's the better striker and on the ground. I think she's going to have more time where she's in top position after landing takedowns. One thing with Bueno Silva, people see the low takedown defense. I actually think she's willing to accept those takedowns more than she's not preventing the takedowns because rather than wrestle offensively and use that energy to get the fight to the map, She's fine letting her opponents take her down and play a game where she's a bit more comfortable. So in terms of a bet for this matchup, if I'm playing anything, it's going to be Bueno Silva by submission at about plus 390. I made that line closer to about plus 350, plus 300. I think that's the one method or the one bet that probably has value in this fight. But if I'm picking it straight up, I think home is a deserving favorite. Wouldn't really touch the money line unless he got closer to about plus 175 on Bueno Silva. But even there, I'd probably prefer her submission prop. So dogger pass for me based on the age. And if I'm going with the dog, I'm playing the submission prop. Of course, the only older fighter exception you would make was Robbie Lawler. Yep. Yeah, you need to be fighting another 
older fighter or another fighter who's potentially retiring. And even though there was an age differential between Negro Price and Robbie Lawler, we talked about the fact that Price had been through a number of wars himself and knocked out basically in the third punch of the fight. So nice to uh, cash a ticket on a retiring fighter. And we'll go away from playing those angles for quite a bit longer until we get another spot like that. So speaking of the money line on the dog, Billy, you're, you're actually willing to go there and you you shop around. You do get a better number on, on Bueno Silva. Why are you willing to go in that direction? I am. And it wasn't my initial read on the fight. I was looking at, you know, methods the way Sean pointed out. I have another bet on it that we'll touch on in a second. But the one thing about Sean's analysis I disagree with a little bit is I actually like MBS's style against Holly Holm. Mm. The reason is because she's really solid in the clinch. Holly Holm's game plan lately has just been kind of hold you up against the fence and slowly suck time off the clock while winning minutes that way. Myra is very sharp with elbows and knees in the clinch. She has like an old school shooter box fighter feel. So, you know, the Vanderlei and Anderson Silva way back in the day where she's really tough in the clinch and really good submissions, not great at winning positions. And the way that we're scoring fights these days, as we've talked about, winning the position is far less important than it used to be. So even in a fight like this, if we were using quote-unquote, the old judging criteria, because the criteria hasn't really changed, but how it's implemented has. I think that would favor Holm a lot more than the current judging system does. And I could certainly see a scenario where Holm has Bueno Silva against the fence for a good chunk of the round, but Myra lands an elbow or a knee in there, cuts her open, hurts her just a little bit, and that's enough to swing the judges. So that's the one thing I like about that, as well as agreeing with Sean that there's definitely an athleticism difference here. Myra is pretty fast, by all things considered, for the division. And I think Holm has already started to slow down. We've seen her grapple a lot more in her last couple of fights. She was a world champion boxer and kickboxer, and she's taking down fighters like Yana Santos. And I think she knows that she doesn't have the speed that she used to, which is why she's doing things like that. So, you know, part of it is predicting that that falling off a cliff happens sooner rather than later. And I don't hate the style for MBS. But the other bet I'm making on it, a little bit more fun, is this fight to go to a split or a majority decision? Just because of what I've talked about. Is Holly Holm going to win minutes? Absolutely. But will Myra Bueno win some moments that turn those around? It's always hard to judge a Holly Holm fight because she doesn't do a ton, but she's usually in the theoretically better position. So we never know what we're going to get on the judges' scorecards. Obviously, don't put a whole unit on this plus 450 prop, but I think there's a greater than usual chance that judges can't really decide a couple of these rounds here because... Holmes on top and Bueno's looking for submissions or Holmes has her against the fence while Bueno's throwing elbows. So, and that's also a bit of a hedge against the uh, money line play I'm making. You care to respond, Zarillo? No, I think that's a, the Billy and I had talked about it, you know, the other day when we met each other at the action network content summit in person for the first time. But yeah, I mean, that's the initial read on this fight for both of us was fight ends by split majority decision, just lower fight class or lower weight class, Main event optics are going to be close. I think it's likely that this one's going to be difficult to score. That's why, for my you know my purposes, I'm kind of taking the finishing aspect out of it. I mentioned Bruno Silva by submission. If you can get finish only markets, I think I might prefer her there as well. She's pretty tough, and I think she has more of the finishing upside in this fight. We've seen home submitted in the past when people are able to get to dominant positions on her or on the bat. So, you know, uh, if that athleticism gap too is significant like it might be if home drops off of a cliff, it's probably likely that she gets finished as well over a 25 minute fight. So yeah, you know, uh, finish only market, Bueno Silva as well. But yeah, I don't mind Billy's play on the uh, the fight ends by split decision because it is the type of fight that lines up with that type of read. 
for our personal purposes, it was very nice meeting both of you in person. We had yet to meet each other in person for those listening. Uh, we had, we met for the first time Monday and Tuesday this week. So big happy family now. Yeah. And it, closer than ever. And now it, it feel like we're just going to take it and ride it. So very good. As if we hadn't been doing that already, but just further uh, brings us along here on, on the audio side. Favorite underdog Zerillo for UFC 77. Yeah, don't want to steal Billy's thunder, but uh, very much with him on the pick he's going to give out. I'm also with him on his best bet on this card. We're actually aligned on a lot of fights, but I'm going to go a little bit crazier and go with Basil Hafez against Jack Della Maddalena. Uh, Jack Della was supposed to fight last week. His opponent dropped out, gave him a short notice replacement. That short notice replacement had some sort of brain injury pop up on a scan. I'm glad they caught that, but they rebooked him for this week. He stayed in Vegas. Overall, I'm kind of fading Jack Della on what appears to be a current title run for him. I think he's a great boxer. I really enjoy watching his fights, but we've still yet to see somebody get him to moments where they're able to grapple him in the UFC. All of his UFC fights, except for his contender series bout, have ended inside essentially of three and a half minutes. And we really haven't seen anybody take him to the ground. Ramazan Mamiv got him there briefly, but the fight popped back quickly to the feet. Hafez is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and primarily a grappler. His striking has improved in his recent fight, scored a knockout in his last fight, more of an attritional knockout, but he can strike and he can hang on the feet. But I think he has the type of style that if he's able to get Jack Della down, can cause some serious problems. So Hafez plus 475 on the money line, like it down to about plus 420. Um, Also going to take a look at his finish props inside the distance as well, maybe even a round one prop two. He is taking this fight on short notice, as I said, so may not have the best cardio. And also, if he doesn't have a lot of success wrestling, his cardio is probably likely to drop off as well. But I do think he has the type of style to cause Jack Della problems. And I'm going to keep betting against Jack Della with guys who are going to try to grapple him as he ascends up the welterweight ranking. So Hafez, big juicy money line number, I think is worth playing this week. Billy, you're also in alignment on lots. That number is moving at plus 136 at FanDuel's. That might be a number you want to get sooner rather than later. Yeah, I had that actually in my notes was make sure to remind people now is the time if you're playing this one. But I'm I'm also in alignment with Sean on Hafez, which I'll get to a little bit later. But Whoa. I was very glad when I had my Lutz pick in here to see that I wasn't the only one thinking that way. It just seems like an offline to me. As we've talked about, Lutz has all the grappling upside. And when you have an underdog with grappling upside, I don't want to say that's an automatic bet, but it's pretty close. Because we've seen Melsic get taken down. He's fighting Melsic Bagdasarian, who has a kickboxing background, high-level kickboxing. But it just hasn't translated to MMA the way I think it does for some guys. He's two and I believe two and one in the UFC, but both the people he beat are winless in the UFC and have immediately been cut. You know, not tough competition. The one thing I saw on tape that I really liked is when Lutz is kicked, he has an excellent response by just coming right back with a straight shot. And when you're fighting a guy like Melsic, who relies so heavily on his kicks, that's going to be really important. I don't think that's ideal. We'd rather not get kicked in the first place than have a good response to getting kicked. But that kind of thing will keep Melsic on the back foot, make him vulnerable for takedowns, and give Lutz the chance. This actually was like plus 160-something last night. When I was looking at it and it's already sank and is currently sinking. So when Zarillo is on one side, our editor, Dan Stupp, is planning on making this his best bet. It's my read, and the market is heavily hammering it. 
this one, even if you don't know anything about the fighters involved, a lot of signs that that's probably the A side of this fight, at least at the current line. You know, I'd probably play it even all the way down to plus 120 or so, but get the better number while you can. Yeah, this line's been coming down all week. It was plus 175. Two other points I want to mention. Lutz also has a two-inch reach advantage on the feet, and I think he could compete in the kickboxing. But as Billy mentioned, not only does he have the grappling upside, I also think he has better cardio. Melsic typically fades after about six or seven minutes. So I think Lutz is a good live bet after round one as well. But yeah, grappling upside, cardio upside at plus money, that's a very easy bet to make. Get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from ensuance. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Okay, moving on to the fight of the night. We have Nazim Sadikov. He is at minus 152 as we record on a Friday morning. The favorite over Terrence McKinney. He's at plus 124. So that number has risen uh, ever so slightly. Zarillo, same question as the main event. How do we assess this fight and how would you like to bet it? Yeah, Sadikov is my best bet on the card. Uh, we'll talk about some best bets later. There's actually a bunch of other money lines I like on this card more so than usual, but Sadikov would be my best bet amongst them. The thing is, you're going to have to sweat this one for a couple minutes because Terrence McKinney generally is extremely dangerous for about three to five minutes. The problem with McKinney is it's becoming a bit of a psychological game for him because he started out his UFC career very hot, getting quick knockouts, had a bunch of quick knockouts regionally. But then the moment he got extended and eventually finished in his next fight, he didn't really press on the gas early. And it's sort of a, he either does his best optimal game plan and it wins or loses, or he doesn't do his best game plan and he's going to fade anyway. So I would expect him to try to come out hot here again because taking his foot off the gas didn't really work for him last time and he's still eventually tired anyway and was finished. Uh, but Sadikov, a tough guy, trains on Long Island. Long Islanders just, you know, tougher than the average population in general. Trains with, you know, uh, Ray Longo at the Longo and Weidman gym. So very good training partners, probably training with the champ, Aldermaine Sterling, um, you know, Matt Frivola out there. He's got a lot of really good training partners to work with. McKinney moves around. But we haven't really seen major improvements from him. He's a strong wrestler. He might be able to get a takedown here early. 
But as I said, that cardio does not last. He's very explosive. He uses all of his power into all of his techniques, and it doesn't really last beyond a few minutes. So Sadikov, another guy, I think it's a phenomenal live bet after round one, but it may not even get there. He might finish McKinney near the end of round one based on how McKinney gasses in the past, or he may be losing the first few minutes of round one and then flip things around by the end of a round and basically be, you know, a bigger favorite going into round two than he was going into round one, even though he lost the first few minutes of the round. So yeah, you know, the cardio discrepancy, the durability discrepancy, the hardware, all of it favors Sadikov in addition to the fact that I just think he's the better and more technical fighter. So Nazim Sadikov was losing his last fight the first two rounds prior to getting a cut stoppage. And I actually think that is giving value on us in this fight. I think a lot of people looking at the minute losing in his last fight where this is a fight that is very likely to end by finish. Billy McKinney has dropped two of his last three fights and both losses were by KO or uh, TKO. Are you in alignment here with Zerillo? Yeah, hundred percent. The one thing I w- wanted to add on a more, you know, data-driven standpoint mm-hmm. McKinney in his career, he is one in three in fights that make it past three minutes, not out of the first round past three minutes. So the obvious angle here is Sadikov live. You know, we talked on our experts guide recently that I don't like to live bet during a round because of the TV lag. This might be the one exception. You know, we hit that two minute mark, no matter what's going on, just, you know, fire up your FanDuel Sportsbook app and be ready because it's, it's really three minutes of cardio at best for McKinney the vast majority of the time. If I had to bet this one pre-fight, my favorite way to play it is, you know, books where you can do a same game parlay and just parlay Sadikov with over two and a half minutes, three and a half minutes, four and a half minutes, somewhere in there, because that's when it's likely going to happen. You know, it's obviously riskier that McKinney just starches him right away, but you can get a much better line and, you know, maybe Sadikov wins early, but if he has any sense in terms of the game plan, it's kind of just survived this opening salvo takeover late. And that is the problem, as Sean pointed out, it's really hard to know that after round one, we're going to get a better price because McKinney doesn't even make it through one round of cardio. It, it's less than that. So I, I wanted to give something pre-fight for people who may or may not be watching this less intriguing UFC card, but the best way to play it is certainly live. And his round two prop is plus 500, you know, for a, a minus 150 money line. That is a very low round two prop. The fight is minus 700 to end inside the distance, but typically you see, you see those round two, round three props around 10 to one and 15 to one respectively. And for Sadikov here, he's plus 500 and about, you know, a thousand in round three. So the books know what's up. It's, it's likely a second or third round finish. So, so we're really just hoping that whoever's doing the live betting as this bet is happening, isn't super confident with how that usually goes because if they're adjusting for the fact that they expect mckinney to gas out then there's probably no play there but my guess is they're not as sophisticated on the live markets as they are pre-fight okay good stuff so there could be a live betting opportunity but proceed with caution prop market zerillo where are we looking this week yeah going to go um with a, a bit of a different approach, uh, there's a couple of ways you could play it. So I'm going with Vicoria Dudakova in her technical UFC debut. She did win on Contender Series, and she's going against Estela Nunes, who is 0-3 in the UFC, getting a rare fourth opportunity after starting 0-3 in the UFC. But she's actually been finished twice in the second half of her fights and typically gasses, as we've talked about other fighters on this card, after about the seven-minute mark. So Nunes, very good, wins the first round fairly frequently, But after that first round, she drops off substantially. The skill level, the cardio, 
just does not align. Uh, I think she's talented, but if she could last for more than seven minutes, she could actually win fights. Dudikova has the grappling upside here. I expect her to land takedowns and wear on her opponent. Uh, I don't mind her round two and round three props, which as I said, there's a couple of ways to play this. But if you can find a same game parlay, very easy approach with Dudikova and the over one and a half rounds of plus money, that's as she should come into her ideal wing condition and the majority of where she's going to dominate this fight. So Dudikova in the over one and a half rounds of plus money, fine bet to make. But also if you want to play her round two prop, at about five to one, her round three prop at 12 to one, respectively. I don't really love that round two prop as much. Uh, and other books too, FanDuel sometimes offers the bet, the round three or decision prop as well. I think all of those good ways to play Dudikova, uh, depending on how you want to do it. But yeah, she should win minutes, especially in the second half of this fight and just look for ways to bet against Nunez after round one, including a wide bet. So those are those are two separate same game parlays. Or si- Is that right? Yeah, so uh, just to recap, there's different. It's there's really three different ways you could play it. Um, if you can play a same game parlay, Dudikova in the over one and a half rounds of plus money. Yep. You could target her round two and round three props at bigger plus money, or you could also target her round three or decision prop as well. I think that round three or decision prop or the same game parlay would be my preferred options. The round two sprinkle at plus five hundred, as I just talked about with the McKinney fight, getting a round two. And plus 500 on a fighter, not super appealing, especially on a fight like this that is actually a pick to go to a decision, whereas that McKinney fight was minus 700 to end inside the distance. So round three or decision, I would say, for Dudakova or that same game parlay. Got it. Okay, very good. Billy, where are we looking? Uh, you actually teased this when we discussed underdogs. Yeah, the Jack Della Maddalena basil Hafez fight. I'm still not 100% exactly how I want to bet it, but I'm pretty confident in the story of this fight. And this feels like one where Basil Hafez wins at the very least a moral victory against Jack Della Maddalena. And as we know, there's not really moral victories in the UFC, but sometimes we get these short notice fighters who they look okay. They hang in there against a tough opponent. They make it to the judges and that's pretty much their, their ceiling. And we're excited about that because I do think for the reasons Sean pointed out, he's got some grappling upside I think JDM is probably good enough on the ground to not get submitted, but can he lose a round to a jiu-jitsu black belt? Absolutely. You know, Hafez went to a draw with Jeremiah Wells, who's one of the best grapplers in the division. He actually had a grappling match against Gordon Ryan, so my fellow grappling nerds know who Gordon Ryan is. That went to a decision. He didn't get tapped out by Ryan, which, again, kind of another moral victory. So a couple of the angles I'm looking at, just this fight and over to go over one and a half rounds is plus 170. And if we think it's going to be close, you could, you know, assume that that's a pretty safe bet, especially that kind of plus money. The other one that I like, and now we're seeing it pop up more and more, is Hafez's spread at plus three and a half is Mm -hmm. plus 270 out there in the market. That's not a bet we usually hear about in UFC, but basically if he doesn't get finished and he wins one round, he covers that plus three and a half because it's the sum total of all the judges scorecards. So if it's 29, 28 against him, maybe he wins the first round especially with taking it on short notice and not having the gas tank and then survives to the end. That's a pretty juicy price for that. He just basically needs to not get finished. So tons of ways you can play this. You could get real aggressive and do, you know, half as and over if you really want to play it hard. But I'm just thinking that it's going to be closer than it looks. I think JDM probably wins this more often than not, but it's one of those where we all walk away really impressed by half as everyone's excited to see him fight with a full training camp, but he doesn't necessarily have his hand raised. 
And then not only that, you know, he'll, he'll win, uh, he'll win round one, get finished in round two. And we'll say, Oh, he covered his price tag. And then he'll be a minus 300 favorite in his next fight. And we'll bet against him after the overcorrection since he looks so good against Jack Della. So that is generally how it goes with these debutantes, especially on short notice, they overperform and they become a favorite in their next fight. And we have to bet against them. We conclude our UFC Vegas 77 betting preview with a best bet or a final bet. Zarillo, where, what category do we have this week? Well, I said Sadikov is my best bet on this card, but honestly, there's a number of money lines that I like, all of which I like more than that Robbie Waller play from last <laughs> week. So not really sure how to feel about that. Uh, Billy's going to give out a play as a best bet. I really like that one too. But in terms of my favorite remaining bet, that is a money line bet that is not Sadikov, Jin Young Park. He is 6-2 and two in the UFC. It is very difficult to go 6-2 and two in the UFC. Do not overlook that fact. Facing Albert Duraev, who I think people would expect to have the grappling upside in this fight, but there is a cardio discrepancy here. Park uh, is the bigger man as well. Uh, I want to pull up the exact height and reach discrepancy, but Park, better striker. Duraev basically needs to wrestle him, but Duraev is the type of fighter who, even when he's able to successfully wrestle his opponents, he's not really putting on a lot of damage or creating a lot of separation for the judges in terms of what he's doing with those takedowns. He's sort of trying to mat return them, rinse and repeat those takedowns, drag them down, and then maintain position. But he doesn't really land a ton of ground and pound with it because he's trying to consolidate those positions. Um, so Park on the feet, I think he wins the striking exchanges. I think he wins the late minutes in this fight down the stretch, particularly as Duraev tries to wrestle him. Maybe he doesn't have a success or Park is able to get back up. And beyond that, I really just favor Park's experience and the level of competition that he's faced. And I think generally speaking, as a UFC fighter, he is largely underrated. As I said, going six and two in the UFC is not easy. Even his decision loss, uh, you know, to, to Rodriguez was fairly competitive. So, or I'm sorry, Gregory Rodriguez, it was, that was a back and forth fight where he actually had Rodriguez on skates uh, and then got knocked out himself. And, it was surprising to see Park get knocked out. His nickname's the Iron Turtle. He's generally considered durable and is able to take a lot of damage and not the biggest finisher himself, but he has finished his past two fights via rear naked choke and sort of using his cardio to grind down opponents. So I think Park is making improvements. Um, but as I said, grappling upside, durability upside, cardio upside, I think he's a justifiable favorite at minus 150. Another guy, I think you can live bet after round one, but I think a fine pre-fight bet at minus 150. So there's a few other favorites on this card. Uh, Munoz, Perez, Costa, all at around minus 180 to minus 220. I have bets on them. You can mix those around in parlays, but Park and Sadikov both around minus 150, my two favorite bets on this card. All right, and Park is up to minus 162. Yeah, that's fine. You can take it okay. to about minus 175. There's some room there. Okay, very good. And Billy, you are also on Prado. Yeah, I am. And there, there's two sides to this. So the first, he's fighting Ottman as Zaitar. The first is the Prado side. This is the second UFC fight for Prado. He lost what one might dub a moral victory. He lost a fight that one might dub a moral victory to Jamie Malarkey back at UFC 284. Prado, 20 years old, fighting out of Argentina, takes it on short notice, flies all the way to Australia, and puts on a more or less competitive fight with Jamie Malarkey, which, given the circumstances and everything surrounding that, I was impressed by it. You know, he had his moments. He got taken down a little bit, but looked really good off his back, hunting for submissions, able to get his way back to his feet. 
almost tapped him at the end of the fight, which would, would have been a huge upset at the time. And we talk about, you know, trying to project fighter progression. This might be the biggest difference between how a fighter looked in his debut and their next fight because he was 20 years old, so still nowhere near his athletic prime and just extremely difficult circumstances to make your UFC debut. You know, it's not like he did it at a fight night event with 20 people in the crowd. This is a huge hostile environment halfway across the world, one of the biggest cards in a long time. So I think there's just a lot of projectable room for improvement on Prado right now. The other side of it is Atman Azaitar. His last win was nearly three years ago. Sometimes that's just kind of a scheduling quirk or, you know, you fought some tough guys in that stretch. But with him, it's a little bit different. There's a bloody elbow story a couple months ago. He and his brother are apparently like best friends with the Moroccan king and have been flying all over the world and partying with him and taking him out and showing him a good time and all this stuff, which doesn't seem like the best lifestyle for a you have yet to make it to the top style fighter. You know, we see it with guys, Conor McGregor among them, who once they get to that level of wealth and opulence, they kind of fall off. Now we've got a pair of brothers never really got there, kind of just living a weird lifestyle out there. I don't want to put too much in that, but go read the bloody elbow story. Anyone, if you haven't yet, it is a wild tale of the stuff these guys get up to. And that just doesn't seem like someone who's entirely focused on fighting. So, um, you know, Looking to fade him, obviously. Prado, another one of those earlier in the week, a little bit of a better line. I'm still more than happy with the minus 115. He's also 12 years younger. Yep, yep. And that's another one we like to talk about is that age gap. Yeah, especially, you know, lightweight, not not as concerned, like 33 years old at lightweight for his ATAR. But Prado making it to the UFC at 21, he's a bit of a physical specimen. I, I think this kid has serious upside, uh, you know, going forward. You know, he may not be anywhere close to his peak right now, but in a few years, this kid's going to be really good. So uh, happy to bet on him as he's on his ascent. And I think he's a much better athlete. And it, it might be one of those cases where we look back a couple of years from now and say, wow, I can't believe we got him at minus 115. He's been minus 300 his next six fights if he looks good here. So it's a good point. After our shenanigans from early in the week, there are no bloody elbows to report from the Action Network uh, content summit, which is... Uh, that, that's uh, the name of the website, I'm sorry, is bloodyelbow.com as an MMA uh, journalist. Oh, got it. Okay. Sorry. No, don't apologize. I should have clarified or checked, double-checked before I got went there, so... Okay, very good. That's going to do it for our UFC Vegas 77 betting preview on the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. I'd like to add, if you are a baseball fan, you can find Sean Zarillo's opening pitch right up. He's got uh, the slate broken down for Friday, and uh, baseball's back. And then Billy Ward's got his Nerfy picks. Nerfy, Yerfy picks available as well uh, over at Action Network. So if you're a baseball fan, these guys are on it as well. For Billy Ward, Sean Zarillo, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening, everybody. We will join you again next week. See you later. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.